Hi, this is George Thorgood. Hey, this is Pat Travers. Hey, this is Steve Lukather of Toto. Hi, y'all. This is Charlie Daniels, and you're listening to Jimmy Warren. All right, all right. Welcome, everybody, to Guitar Talk. This is Jimmy Warren. I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. That's right. Today, it's another Wednesday. Another great Guitar Talk episode. Another epic guitar player. More tone, more talk about gear. Oh, my Lord. I absolutely love it. Now, if you're not following us on Facebook, uh, on Jimmy Warren Official or Instagram or any of those things, you really should. You know, I post a lot of stuff when it comes to pedals and guitars and tone and amps and, you know, new releases and stuff that other artists are doing and guitar players are doing. So, uh, So go ahead and follow me at Jimmy Warren Radio. On Facebook, uh, I'm Jimmy Warren Official on Twitter and Instagram. I also have a private Facebook page for players on Facebook, a Guitar Talk uh, page. Uh, It's loaded with some amazing players, uh, many that you know (laughs) in that. So if you're, you know, you're a player, you're a serious player in that, you know, hit me up, you know, to, to join because uh, there's a lot of cool stuff. One of the things that I do every day is I post a different, unique, rare, weird, crazy, odd pedal. And uh, it's amazing how many are out there. And uh, some of them are really, really bizarre. But what's even more bizarre is sometimes people will respond, oh, yeah, I got that pedal. I use it for this. And I'm thinking, what the heck does somebody do with that? You know, because it's pretty freaking crazy. But you know to each his own you know they're creating and so uh, they're just tools to create today my guest is randy jacobs randy jacobs is the founding member of the bone shakers you might have saw the last incarnation of that which was mindy a beer in the bone shakers mindy you know being the saxophonist and vocalist coming out of the contemporary jazz world uh, Randy had lived in that world for a long time. He was a guitar player for Jeff Golub, played with Brian Culberson, Dave Koz. Uh, boy, just a ton of, um, you know, contemporary jazz people. But at the same time, he's played with Billy Preston, B.B. King, Ringo Starr. I mean, I could really, if you go to uh, randyjacobs.com, go to his discography, you'll see that he's played with just about everybody and anybody you're you know you're going to really enjoy this so we're going to dive in and talk to him about how he got started you know his whole career you know his gear how he he, his unique way of playing because he doesn't use a pick or anything like that we're going to talk about his tone we're going to talk about you know what it takes to play at the level that he plays at and how he's surviving as an artist right now guitar player in the midst of this whole covid thing Uh, It's a really good conversation, and um, if you don't follow Randy on social media or you're not familiar with him, you really should be. You make sure you check him out, okay? And also so you know, uh, all of our uh, Guitar Talk shows are going to uh, be on YouTube starting in August. So uh, here coming up just within the next couple of weeks, all those shows will be on there as well. So anyway, let's get back to it. Right now is our conversation with Randy Jacobs. I've been I've been looking forward to this because, you know, uh, I follow a lot of different guitar players, you know, their careers and that. And you've got a career that is, you know, is stellar, man. It's really, really amazing. 
And so uh, to kick this off, you know, let's just kind of go back to the core roots of things for Randy, because, you know, you started at a really early age, you know, from a professional level. But before that, what got you into playing the guitar? You know, what influenced you and made you pick it up to begin with? You know, I think I think just like television, you know, um, I saw Ted Atkins play the Wabash Cannonball and I think Ed Sullivan or something, you know, and 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 he was you know he was using a beer bottle for a slide yeah. like the train voices you know and that that was how it started and then and then just you know the beatles came and and all that stuff um my uncles used to talk about the blues all the time all of them talk i didn't know what they were talking about but that that got me into into listening to what they were listening to, you know what I mean? And then that, that sort of started off. I wanted to ask my mom for a guitar. You know, she got me acoustic at first to see if I was really into it. You know, that whole deal. You right. Know? And um, growing up in Detroit, there was, everybody was playing, you know. Everybody was was playing. And there, was a, there were clubs, you know. It was Baker's Keyboard Lounge and, and then Clarence's Place. You could, you know, I would go down there and stand outside and a lot of the, the guys of the day, you know, the Funk Brothers would be in there jamming, you know, and then mm-hmm. you you stand, I'd stand outside because I couldn't get in, of course, but I'd stand outside and listen. And my neighbor played two blocks over this way. Earl, a buddy Earl Clue was playing, mm-hmm. and you know, and uh, I was a really big. I saw um, Dennis Coffee, you know, back when he was, you know, trying to get there. He was his album was the first album I ever bought that was an instrumental record, you know. Yeah, parent things, you know. So that was how it got started, you know. So, so did was your family musical? I was. No, not really. You know, my my grandmother was a closet performer. You know, she's she's a big T Bone Walker fan. Uh-huh. Big King and that. You know, I mean, she has seventy eights and stuff and stuff like that. Cool stuff. You know, she would listen to, you know, when she could. You know, and that that was that was a big thing. You know, to have somebody in the house like that but a friend of mine a childhood friend his mother played guitar and she was very much into the folk thing i heard I, in every a lot of the music i heard i was really a johnny rivers fan because of her uh you know i heard hendrix in her house you know uh, uh pete seeger you know uh josh white you know all those all those things are what got me rolling you know what i mean and, and, mm-hmm. and the things that she taught me and i tried to play those songs you know um i was early, i was a very early on uh taj mahal fan you know you know uh, jesse ed i was a big fan of jesse ed you know great guitar player you know stuff like that that was what sort of started me off yeah so, but it, what time what age were you what would you say what was that age when you first picked it up yeah, first pick up for real, probably 13, 12, 13. Yeah. Like, really picked it up. Like, like I said, I'm going to play this thing. And and I would go with her. And, uh, this this guy would go with her, and she played. You know, we did Hootenannies, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that's where I started my my rhythm my rhythm chops. I tell I, people laugh when I say that because, you know, because my things ended up being in funk and rock. But, but that was a great foundation for me, you know what I mean, to start there. To start in the, in the folk thing, you know. Yeah. Now, it, it, I know that early on you worked with uh, 
you know, some uh, songwriters and stuff, you know, like Barrett Strong, you know, who yeah. wrote many great songs and that Don Davis. And, uh-huh. and, and I saw that you had, um, you know, had worked with uh, Michael Henderson, you know, from Miles Davis's band and stuff like that. From yeah, that was my first big, that was probably the biggest thing that happened to me. You know, um, I worked with Sylvia Moy, <clears throat> who wrote um, Fingertips with Stevie Wonder. Hmm. And, and uh, she, she was one of the first females to have, um, like, their own studio. She had a studio. It was a, you know, I went and recorded there, uh, uh, and, and it was like contract, you know what I mean? But we all recorded in the same room, you know, but that was a big deal. Somebody actually had something you could record at their house, you know, back then. <laughs> yeah. You know, and uh, Barrett had a little thing, but I quite as evolved as her. And um, I, I worked with a... Um, producer uh named johnny may matthews uh she was the first manager for the temptations and 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 she went on to do a lot of greats but she was one of the first females to like produce records and and try to develop artists you know outside of motown you know she was doing that in detroit mm-hmm. and uh, yeah but uh I, I had a lot of good teachers you know <laughs> and, yeah it sure and sounds Don, like it. johnny may and sylvia and you know, Don Davis, those guys. Don Don Davis produced uh, City Dreams, you know, for um, uh, uh, Robin Trower. Yeah. You know, one of, the first, one of the first black producers out there doing, like, that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? He was a pretty amazing guy, you know. So when you, and, set uh, out, when you set out, did you set out just to be a guitar player, or did you set out to, you know, want to kind of, you know, be a songwriter and a producer and all those things yourself, or... I think I think initially I just wanted to write songs. I I really was fascinated, you know. In in Detroit, that was the thing. Everybody was talking about writing songs and getting them to Motown. There was a lot of people. I um um a lot of guys in my neighborhood, Holland Dozier Holland, like Lamont Dozier of Holland Dozier Holland lived down the street from me. I used to cut their grass, you know, (laughs) and and and, you know stuff like that, you know. And and I'd hear them in there, you know. I hear them working on stuff and. And, and, you know, his son is a great singer now. His son does stuff, you know. And, and I, I remember when he was five years old, he's a little Monty, you know. Now he's, he's, he's cutting his own chops, doing great stuff for himself. But, you know, that neighborhood, it, it gave you the idea that you could get there just because all these great guys were doing stuff, you know, and, and playing music around me. I, I really thought, I want to be Smokey Robinson. I want to write, like, a great song. And so that's... That in the beginning, guitar was more a tool for writing. I never thought that I was going to become a player. I really didn't, you know, not in the beginning. Yeah. Well, access to those kinds of people is, uh, you know, is really essential and key to, you know, going on and having a great career. Sometimes, you know, because without that access, you know, so you could be, you know, uh, somebody sitting at home, you know, on their couch that can play phenomenally. But you just don't have the same, you know, influence, you know, and uh, ability to move from point A to point B in your career. Well, especially now, you know, now you have YouTube so people can get their 15, 15 seconds or 15 minutes of fame and be discovered, you know, via that way. But right. there were always like child wonder kinds and people. I knew these two brothers, Jerome and Jimmy Ali. And they, it's, you know, we were all around and said two years younger than me. And. You know, it, 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 you know, I was 15. They're 13 years old. These these guys are playing my Vishnu, 
<laughs> you know, like they, they could, they were like unbelievable players, and, and to this day they still are. But they never got that, that thing. You know, if they, if it was now, people would be like, oh my God, they're 13 years old, they're playing. You know, they're playing Bitches Brew and Miles Davis and Miles Vishnu and 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 Larry Graham and all this great music. They were very talented, but you know, then you had to, you know, right place, right time. Michael Henderson saw me playing with Brooke Benton. Okay. I, was playing in a, I was playing as a house band, playing in a house band in a place called Mozambique, and I was backing up, uh, you know, artists that would come through there, you know, and and Brooke Benton happened to be one, you know, and I was playing Rainy Rainy Night in Georgia and the Bo Weevil song, and and Michael came down to the show, and after the show, he said, "Man, I want you to come and play in my band," and that was just how we got going, you know. Yeah. So, how much time would you say, you know, that you devoted? Uh, you know, to to getting yourself prepared, you know, for this, you know, to play like that. I mean, how much time did you spend? Did you spend, because some people are really regimented and they're really, you know, set in their practice time and that, you know, really devoted or motivated or however you want to word it, you know what I mean? And then, you know, other people not so much, but in order to get from point A to point B for for somebody like yourself, you had to probably spend quite a bit of time just kind of, you know, engulfed into it. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Definitely, all through school, you know, before I went to school, when I got home from school, yeah. you know, I mean, I skipped school, 73 days <laughs> I skipped school. I would play this after hours gig, and, and and you know, I would play, I would come home, eat dinner, and then I would go play at this club um, called OC's, and then from OC's, I would go play at this, this after hours, these after hours, there was a Jazz West, and there was this place at the Skipper's Table which had an after-hours band thing. And so you play till three or four. I get home, try to do my homework. As soon as my mom went to work, I'd act like I was going to school. I'd come back and go to bed and then get up and go to rehearse or practice or whatever. You know what I mean? But it was it was 24 hours of, of my life, I felt like, sometimes just playing. I just, I'm self-taught. You know, I'm, I, I wasn't, like, schooled. And, and so I just learned from other people. And, and to do that, I used to quit bands all the time. Guys would tell you, I'd be in there, I'm quitting because I wanted to play with this guy who I thought they could teach me more. Right. You know, I mean, I did a lot of that, you know. Right. Well, I think that's an important thing, you know, is uh, is to surround yourself with players that are much better than you. Didn't Dylan say that? I, I don't Dylan, know. If he did. Yeah, I think Dylan said then, that. You know what I mean? Is, is you, get, you have the best, you get better by having better players around you. That's and, it. And, and that's a very true statement, you know, because they push you. Yeah. Even uncomfortably so, you know, in Detroit, you know, guys that push you, you know, to play certain things, you know, I, I played with a lot of, um, you know, a lot of bands came out of like uh, stage bands for high school, you know, the stage band at our high school had Earl Blue and R Reggie uh, McBride, who was an incredible bass player. I mean, you had all these great talents in in these bands, you know what I mean? And, and that's how I got to got better by by working with those guys, you know, getting to know them and watching what they were doing, you know. Yeah. Now, you, you mentioned that you were self-taught, uh, you know, since the early days and that. Have you gone back in any way and, you know, took any kind of formal, you know, training or, or anything like that? No. Or, yeah. No, you know, it, it's just I, I just learned from watching and doing, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, this is, that was always my thing, watching, doing, and listening. <laughs> yeah. You know. That was how I learned how to play, and uh, and people ask me about it now. Is what I would I have done it different? Uh, I have a friend, um, 
he is um his name is adam holly and he and he is like a you know he's got a doctorate in music he went to music school for seven years but while he was in music school he was still playing out and about and that's if i can tell people anything if you're going to learn how to read music which is a great thing is to go out and play with people along with that because mm -hmm. because back in the day guys would go to music school and then come out and couldn't play you know they could play if it was on paper but they couldn't improvise and stuff like that in the same way you know what i mean it was a different or, or, or they would constantly say you can't do that because that that's this way this is the way i learned it this is how i learned it in music school you know and i would and, and i'd say you listen to any kind of record you go to, from miles davis to hendrix it goes beyond the paper and it goes beyond the notes and that's when things get great you know right yeah, it's, it's it's almost like there's a lost feeling. The feeling's gone. Sometimes with some people, I'm not going to yeah. say with all people, because some yeah. people are amazing at it. It's unbelievable, and, and uh, you know, and uh, I felt like I was really lucky because I I kind of learned on the job, you know. Yeah. I learned, I learned how to recharge and and do certain things on the job. You know, I I still I, I wouldn't call me for an orchestra gig. Let's put it like that. But, <laughs> but, but, not going to do Broadway, you know, I, huh? You know, but you know, I I've, I've been lucky. I played a lot of different kind of music, and and I, I've been very fortunate, you know, mm -hmm. to 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 play the blues and the, and to play folk and to play a little bit of country and to play funk and and to play iron. My and I've been lucky to play with all these different artists encompassing that. I've, I've been very lucky. Right, right. So right now, you know, you've been doing this, you know, quite a while now, and you very successfully, you know, do you do you have a routine? You know, practice time. Are you still diligent in the same manner you were when you were young, or is it? I, I say even more so in some respects. Yeah. You know, I, there's always a guitar nearby, so I'm always picking up a guitar. The guitars in the living room, there's a guitar in the bedroom, guitars in the hallway. You know, there's always a reason. To, if I was working on a song form today, which is sort of, uh, you know, I like different song forms. You know, uh, sort of, sort of somewhere between. Uh, uh, you, know, you ever listen, you ever watch those Tar those like uh, Quentin Tarantino movies and Robert Rodriguez and his brothers play those sort of song forms that are like super cool. Uh, you know what I mean? You right. know? Uh, yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, yeah, and then I like that. You know what I mean? I've been yeah. working on I've been working on this uh, song. My wife is funny because I'm in here. I'm in here doing this, and she's like, "What are you, what are you doing?" I'm working on the song, yeah. and she's like, "But I like different song forms, and I'm building one off of playing harmonica, which yeah. I'm not really good at, but I, you know, this is fun to me, you know." Right. And then I'll, and then I'll be able to develop some guitar stuff behind it that that that'll push me in a different direction, you know. Well, well, speaking of uh, Tarantino, do you have have you have you done any uh, stuff for trailers or? For movies or anything like that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. I did pass. I did like uh, that thing with the coolest movie with uh, Coolio, and uh, I did. I did some stuff uh, for the Adam Family, um, Adam Family Values movie with uh, RuPaul and all these different people. You know, what you see is what you get. It's a lot of fun. You know, yeah, it, it's a lot of fun doing that stuff. You know. Um, I, I did. I've never. I, I've only there was a there's a couple movies, uh, overseas movie where I was called called in to play some background parts and stuff like that, and uh, it, it, it's just been fun. Uh, you know, I did um, something with Jimmy Haslip, 
and some other guys for a Disney thing. I, I, I can't, I'm trying to remember the name of the movie. I'm sorry. It escapes me, but we did some stuff together for some stuff. That's a while back, but that yeah. stuff is fun. You know, yeah. it can be challenging and it'd be fun, you know? Uh, and, uh, yeah. definitely yeah. another one of those things you, you just have somebody call you and say, Hey, we need somebody to come in and play like some really heavy funk thing. And we need somebody to come in and play something that resembles, um, James Brown or something like that. Or, or, or Earth, Wind, and Fire. It's great, you know. Yeah. I I, I did um, what's that movie? A movie was um, Whoopi Goldberg, and, and they had me come in, and I had, and they wanted me to play um, what was it? It was a song by Cream, you know, uh, uh, well, Crossroads. They wanted me to Crossroads. They did it down in Nashville, and it didn't sound like Crossroads. That's what they said. The guitar didn't sound like. I came in with a Marshall and a fuzz face. And it sounded like Crossroads. Yeah. <laughs> but am I, you know what I mean? And, you know, and it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, you, you, like I said, you, you've done an awful lot. What's helped you to become a, a real well-rounded player? Because, look, at you, you can play blues. You can play funk. You can play R&B. You can play smooth jazz. I mean, you can do it all. So what, what do you think are some of the key things that have helped you to become a, a well-rounded player? It's just personally, it's just, it's just don't, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I get it. You know, we all have our niches. Like I said, I wouldn't call myself a straight ahead gig, even though I've fallen into a couple of those. You know what I mean? I wouldn't call myself for a classical thing. But the thing is, is, the, is if you have a, a great rhythm, if rhythm is everything, you can, you, can, you can stride those things. You know what I mean? They're all built on rhythm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Listen to other things and, and go see things that you be open to. Don't ah, that, I don't like this. I don't like that. Go see these guys. Go see Phil Keddie. Go go see some of these guys that are and see what they're doing. You know, even if even if you even if you don't play the style, I listen to things. Even mm -hmm. I don't. It's sort of like uh, Limitless, right? The movie. Yeah. You ever seen the movie? He takes the pill mm -hmm. and he can access this thing back in his brain. It's sort of like that. You know what I mean? When I played with Willie Nelson and we did this reggae project, we called it the reggae record or whatever you call it, a, a country man, we called it the reggae record. And he had these guys coming. I mean, we're playing, I'm playing, and, 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 and uh, you know, Robbie Turner's playing pedal steel and who's, who's basically his country. But you reach back and you think, you think back to Toots and you listen, you're thinking Bob Marley and you think you reach back and you can grab that. You can grab that in the back of your mind because you listen to it, even though you're Say you're not, and then you, you give your spin to it, you know, you give your spin to it to them and it, and it becomes a thing, you know, it doesn't have to be authentic, but if it, if it, if it grooves and it moves people, that's the thing, Yeah. you know, so it's sort of like that. Listen to everything. Listen, listen to everything. My, my wife thinks I'm like the dictionary of music all the time. I'll be watching some, I'll say, Hey, you know, so-and-so that's, that's uh, Jesse Ed playing a solo. We'll be driving in the car or. Oh man, oh man, oh Brian May, you know he did that on this song, or you know, I'm always like that, you know. Yeah. You know, oh, oh, that's Trini Lopez. Oh man, I love that. So, you know, she go Trini Lopez. You know, you know. <laughs> but, but those are the guys, you know. Their their thing is built on rhythm. Their mm. their their whole thing is built on rhythm. I'm always in my mind. I'm a rhythm player first. I, I'm I'm not a. I don't I don't view myself as this amazing virtuoso like an Eric Gales or a Joe Bonamassa, 
you know, I, I can I can play a solo, but I, I don't view myself like them. I always think of myself as a rhythm player. Yeah. Yeah. I well, I, I know I've I've seen you play a few times, and mm-hmm. uh, as a matter of fact, I it wasn't I don't know maybe maybe sometime late last year. I saw you with uh, the Bone Shakers with Mindy and the Bone Shakers in, mm-hmm. in Chicago at the winery, and mm-hmm. uh, and and I noticed one thing because I, I hate to say that I, I paid really great and your drummer oh my god yeah I know that right? guy that guy's friggin' monster Third Richardson yeah that guy is crazy man he was so good well you know in, in every <laughs> in every genre of music no no totally in every genre of music if you don't have something like that guy yeah. It's like it's like McLaughlin and Billy Cobham, or or Clapton and, and Ginger Baker, or, or you know, or you, you got to have that guy. Yeah. You know, you have to have that guy to propel you, because because you can be the greatest. I, there's few bands that have gotten past with that, and and, and Stevie Ray being one of them. No, nothing against Layton, but he he's not he wasn't that kind of drummer, but he could lay the pipe. But Stevie Ray was such a strong rhythm player. You know he could he could carry a whole band by himself. Yeah. You know what I mean. He, yeah. you know what I mean. And but but think if he'd have had a third Richardson. Oh yeah. You oh know, my God. You know what I mean. The, you know a third, that guy to have a guy like that behind you playing is like amazing to me. He he's he, he you know for the first time I met him I was just like oh my God I got I have to play with this guy in some shape or form. You know you know he, he's an he's an amazing talent. You know. Yeah yeah he he. I was sitting right. As a matter of fact, that was right next to your amp. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was. I I was amp, and yeah, I, you had that thing laying on the floor, almost cranked up. You know what I mean? Laying right at, shooting right yeah. at my face. I love it. I yeah. have it right, yeah. like a wedge, and I have it like because you know that way I can get my thing from it. You know. Yeah. You know, it's hard. It's hard. To, I I try really hard being at Mindy, and even when I play with Sadborn, the same thing. You're playing with sax players and horn players. And you have the amps shooting out. It, it, you know, now the guys are wearing in ears. It's a little bit better, but before, it, it it's tough when the guys aren't wearing in ears. They they need some space to be able to hear themselves because they're just, you know, it's just a microphone with them. Yeah. And if they come over towards you and your amp is, but your mic, your, their mic is picking up your amp and the whole nine yards. So that that sort of solved that problem for a lot of people I'm playing with that were either singing or playing horn. I just had it. I have a little stand and. I lay the amp so it just faces up at me, you know. Yeah. Now, so why don't you tell me about your, you know, what you use as a as a normal stage rig? I know the night, the last time I saw you, it was just a, looked like a Fender amp, and, you know, you had a couple of guitars, and you had very few pedals in that, but maybe you could tell me, that's probably, that may be typical, maybe not, but, you know, what do you what do you normally like to use? Well, these days, you know, it's Atomic Overdrive, um, you know, uh, you know, XTS out of Nashville, those guys, you know, I've been using that for a while and that's probably what I was using that night. You saw me sometimes it's an, an OCD. Yeah. There's always, there's always some sort of booster pedal, you know, uh, uh, that, that, um, comes after it. So sometimes, you know, like there's some songs we play a couple of ballads where it's just a clean boost to the app. And then other times when it, when we're like, uh, like I don't know if you saw us that we did summertime where where it's like sort of a mixture of summertime and uh, manic depression mixed together. Yeah. If we did that on the show, and that's atomic overdrive, and I I just basically it's on. I just I never turn it off. 
for like three or four songs, I just turn up and down and switch pickups. That's all I do. It cleans up really nice. Mm-hmm. And the Fender's just, just, just on the verge of crunching up. Just, yeah. you know, I use a deluxe. I use the deluxe and sometimes a vibro champ. Right. But but most of the time those are those are tough to get sometimes or, or they're or they're in bad shape. So so the deluxe the the uh reverb deluxe is always pretty easy to get. So I, you know, I spend my time, you know, and they say, App sounds fine. I said, No, I'm just I'm trying to get this thing, you know, so I have them bring two and most of the time I'm lucky because 'cause I'm always trying to get it's it's so hard, you know, it's just like yeah. just just before you know, right there, yeah, that's it. You know, and uh, like I'm in love. I'm in love the rest of the night. But we went to Japan, you know, uh, right after that time, and and, she got, and and they lost my pedals and stuff, and and my guitar. Ooh. And uh, and we were playing um, at the Cotton Club, and they had some guitars hanging on the wall. So they put one down and put some strings on a Stratocaster stock, you know, stock, you know, whatever. And and they, I said, I need an overdrive and a booster pedal. A while in the yeah. So they brought me all kinds of stuff. I ended up using a blues driver and a spark. Oh yeah. And 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 everybody's like, it sounds the same. <laughs> <laughs> it, did, it did sound the same to me, but they were like, oh man, it sounds the same, man. It sounds great. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, okay. But you have to, you have to move on. You have to make it through the night. You know, I mean, you, right. You know, I you do all these special things to guitar to make yourself comfortable. But I always say to people at the end of the night, it's, it comes from you. You you you're gonna have to suck it up. Yeah. Are you, know, you, I more Go ahead. I was gonna I'm say, sorry. are you one of these guys that got you know so much equipment laying around the house that you know you don't know what the you know like forty guitars and a hundred amps and six hundred pedals and that kind of stuff. I got I got all kinds of crap. My yeah. God, my, my wife my wife you know the closet in my little office here is. It's like at least twenty guitars in that closet, you know, and there's stuff yeah. in the around the stuff around the house, and and you know I, you know I, I'm not a collector. I, I I only I only have stuff that I play. That's that's always the thing. It's I'm not a collector, and, it, and a lot of times if if somebody catches on me on the right day, hey man, I got this guitar, you can have it, you know, because I'm not playing it, you know, and uh, and the pedals and stuff, I. I I, I come and go with pedals. I, I still have some stuff I can, I guess, consider vintage. You know, my old uh, original Tube Screamer and, and stuff like that. My uh, old old school Big Muff. Yeah. You know, the pie guy from back in the day. You know that stuff. You know, a couple of really old Waz. You know, Clyde McCoy. You know, but I, I don't collect that stuff. I use it. You know, yeah. I I use. I, I have no desire to collect. Now, I try different stuff all the time. I try the Wapner pedals and and. Um, you know, I'm always like, I see stuff, and I say, oh, I'll try that and see, you know. I tried the Timmy. Everybody's talking about the Timmy pedal. You got to get Timmy. Yeah. But I went and tried it. It's cool, you know. It's, <laughs> it, it's not it's not giving me anything that I can't get with my volume knob and, and almost any pedal to me, yeah. you know. Yeah, you know, see, uh, I'm, I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker. Huh? I, I'm a sucker for it. I mean, it's like I got to have it. I don't know why. <laughs> I am, I I'm that guy, you know what I mean? If you ever need a pedal or an amp or an extra guitar, just, down, just let me know, it. man. Just give me a call because I could have yeah, it to man. you overnight. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's such a clown pedal. I didn't have one for a long time. And then I was down in, I was down in Austin and, 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 uh, around in 2000. So I think I got one. I was, me and Malford were together. I was doing Malford Milligan and we, 
Malford was singing for the Bone Shakers then, and and I got when he took me to the store, and I went, oh yeah, I gotta have it, I gotta have it. Yeah. You know? And there's nothing like that thing, man. When when, when I'm plugging that thing just straight into a Marshall, it's just like, oh my oh, god, yeah, it's a dream. It's just, so cool. Uh, yeah. It's like amazing. A park, if you can get a hold of those, hands, oh my god, you know, it's just. I wish, you know, I have a '70s uh, small box fifty, 1970. Yeah. I have that that I I bought God forever ago, right? Like. I, I had one and it blew up, and and so every time I use it, it would blow up. So I I finally sold that one, and then I had another one I wish I had never parted with. Uh, a guy talked me out of it, and then I, right after I moved to L.A., a guy in in, uh, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh, he called me up and he goes, he had Natalie's music. He goes, Hey Randy, what are you doing? I said, I'm hanging out in L.A. What's up? Are you gonna be in town anytime? I have some I found in the back you might be interested in, and it was a it was a Marshall. 50 small box, the one I have that he, that they, they had a client bringing in and they just gave him a new one and they were supposed to send it off and have it repaired and it just sat in the back. This thing, brand new, except wow. it just needed a transformer. So I got a transformer to specs from Dave Friedman out, out in LA and he hooked me up and that thing, oh my God, I still to this day when I plug it in, it just has the sound. It just, it's just an amazing sounding box. Yeah. yeah. Wow. See, I, I have the, I have the Klon myself but i'm i'm really really partial i don't know why but i just kind of fell in love with the uh the ethos pedals oh yeah yeah the the overdrive and the fusion queen pedals those are both really really sweet and the dumb kudos don't get me going don't get me going my wife would be mad at you if i said (laughs) (laughs) okay all right well so uh, I know it's like it's a, it's like a disease. Man. It is. It really man. Is. I love it. It is a disease. Yeah, you know I I inventoried my stuff in the great now. I, I I did like because because of this thing I've been home, so I cleaned up the garage and put labels on everything. Oh my god, I got cases and oh, it's just ridiculous. It's just so much stuff. You know, there's that time when I had a rig back east and I had one. You know, in the Midwest, and you know, when when I was doing that kind of stuff, and I and I felt yeah. like, you know, cool, I, I'll leave this at a storage. I'll come pick it up. Like people, I had people I could leave stuff with. Like I'm coming to town. I get this. I do that. And now that I have everything at home, you know, I started getting rid of stuff and some stuff I just can't part with. You know, yeah, it's it's just hard. You know, yeah, yeah. So let me ask you this uh, to kind of get off the equipment that is, because uh, <laughs> <laughs> I could talk equipment all day. What advice would you give a fresh player, you know, in order to, you know, um, to get to your level? You know, and I know, I know there's there's so many parts, you know, it takes so much in order to go from just picking up the guitar to doing it for a living as a business. But, you know, there's usually some key things, you know, that are, are really important in order to, you know, to hone your skills and get to that level. What, do you, what would be some, you know, practical advice? that you give a guy like that? I can tell you, if you watch that Sideman, if any of you ever seen that thing about Sideman, the King Aaron Off and all this guy, the one thing uh, I remember uh, Rob Zombie saying it, and, and different people, you, and this is this has nothing to do with playing, but at the end of the day, they're going to look at you, and they're going to think, wow, that guy's a great player, or that, that the young lady's a great player. What are they going to be like when I take them on the road? Mm. Yeah. 
that's a big that's a big thing. I've known guys that take guys. Ah, he's okay, but at least I get along with him. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Right. I could have had this guy, man. He came in, he killed it, man, but he he, he was messed up or this that or I, or his rap was he talked so much I could I thought to myself, I can't be on the bus with that guy. You know what I mean? And and that's the thing, it's personality to a certain degree, you know what I mean? And you and you have to be open to criticism. You have to be open to criticism. We all we all want to feel that we what we're doing is great or what we're doing is the right thing or what we're doing is the most comfortable thing for us. But sometimes somebody's going to give you something that's not comfortable for you or that you don't want to do or that you don't feel is the right thing. But they're the boss. Yeah. It's their music. It's their music. You're playing their music. I tell guys all the time, I had a friend, he had, he, he got a gig um, uh, with, with a real famous band. And he called me and said, man, they won't let me do anything. They just make me want me to play the parts. I said, because they're famous and you're not, and that's their songs. Play the parts. Yeah. Play the parts. Those parts on those songs <clears throat> laid by the original guitar players are what they want to hear. They want to hear those parts because when they go to play a concert, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The people that come to see them because they're world famous and they made it and they made it on these songs want to hear those parts. They don't want to hear your parts. Play the parts. And that's the things you have to be open to. Um, I got really lucky. I, I I got called for something with this guy, Warren Hill. Uh, he was in Nashville, and he was sort of a more fusionistic sax player at the time. But he called me to play funk. He needed somebody to play funk. He had Mike Thompson and I think Mike Landau playing awesome stuff. But he had heard my reputation as a funk player. Not in that particular thing. So I went in and I played funk stuff, you know. Same thing, uh, you know, when I worked for Brian, uh, Bruce Hornsby, uh, uh, Messini had played a solo on a track, and he needed, he needed like a funk rhythm, and he called me for that, you know what I mean? So that was my niche, mm-hmm. you know, and that was my niche. Everybody has a niche, right? And if you have more than that, you're lucky. And then from that, <clears throat> I met, I'm <clears throat> sorry, Rick Braun. Rick Brown, I went to um, <clears throat> Wayman Tinsdale, from Wayman Tinsdale, I went to Dave Cause, and from Dave Cause, and you, you know, it just became a thing, you start to evolve into that, but you, there's a learning curve for that, too. Yeah. As I got into what was called smooth jazz or contemporary jazz, there's a learning curve for that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and when, like, when you play with Dave Sanborn, it's different. It, it's contemporary jazz, but, but it's 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 evolved. It's more than what the other guys are doing. Or when you play with Gerald Albright, it's it's a much different thing than than some other guys are doing. You know what I mean? It, uh, it, 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 it borders on that little bit of fusion, you know, and it makes it it makes it a different, you know. Yeah, yeah. Now one one of the people that you worked with, uh, you know, all, all those people that you named, you know, I love I. I was I got into the contemporary jazz stuff. I don't know, maybe about ten years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, ten or twelve years ago is when I kind of fell into. I was one of those guys that you know, at one point in time, it was just one style of music. It was just rock, you know. And yeah, and yeah, then, sure. And then it evolved <clears throat> to where, you know, I was like, you know, like you were saying, pretty diverse and into everything and uh, in that. But one guy that you worked with, Jeff Golub. Yeah. He, he was somebody that I absolutely loved. He was—he seemed like such. He was a great player. As a matter of fact, I'm actually 
recording a uh, a version of his the song that he did uh, that he redid, uh, "Crazy Love." Oh, man! Go ahead. Yeah. And, yeah, man. Yeah, he he was so good. So you know, I, I hate to ask what it was like to work with somebody like that, but uh, you know. I mean, what, I mean, it had to be a great experience. Choir in Detroit at the Cobo Arena. Yeah. Right. You know, and you don't know this guy. This is this is in the eighties. This is. I have no inkling that. You know, you know, I be playing with this guy. You know, I have no, I have no idea that I, that this is what's going to happen. So, so you know, it was funny. You know, you you. I've seen. I saw him with uh, Rod Stewart. Right. On MTV, playing different things, and 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 I thought, wow, he was a great player, you know, mm-hmm. what a cool guy. And then I read a guitar player article that he was doing his own solo career, and that was with Avenue Blue, uh, with him and Rick Brown and those guys, and they, they were starting that up in, in his career and as a soloist. And and I listened to his stuff, and I thought, man, this is this is quite different, you know. It was more softer tones, mm-hmm. but a solid jazz tone, more different than than what I, you know. But then when I heard Naked City, I was like, wow, what a beautiful song. What a beautiful guitar song. I thought, mm-hmm. this, guy is, this guy's got way more to him than what I thought when he was playing with Billy Squire. And when we met, it was on, they had this thing called the Guitars of the Saxons with Warren Hill, yeah. uh, Craig Chikiso, uh Jeff Koshua, and Jeff, and Jeff Golub. And uh, we went out that year, I think it was 2001, and we got to be really great friends. You know, we talked about the blues a lot. He liked, he liked Freddie. Freddie uh, King was his his totem, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So me, me, I was sort of, you know, Jesse Ed and, you know, uh, you know Robert Johnson and, and you know, uh, Charlie and them guys. You know, I mean, old school nasty blues, you know what I mean? He used to say, you listen to nasty blues. I said, yeah, I like nasty blues. <laughs> I like that. I like it nasty and wrong, you know. And uh, he, he, he really, we really got on, you know. I was like one of the few guitar players he asked me to play rhythm on his stuff, you know. And then I started playing rhythm for him a lot on the gigs, you know. What I mean, you know, and he, he, he loved that about me. I could play rhythm all night, be happy, you know. What I mean, yeah. never think anything about. It. I don't need a solo. I, I'm playing rhythm. I'm happy, you know. And uh, and he. He was a, a fantastic player, great tone, great tone. I used to love, you know, watching him dial it in. You know, what I mean, he, he gave amp a lot of times. Depending on what the amp was, sometimes like no treble, none, the treble all the way down, just on the verge of break up a little more than I would have, just a little bit. And and then, you know, he used a rat pedal forever. Be he, he used old, old school rat pedal. He used it forever. It wasn't until I said, "Hey, man, you got to check this pedal out—the OCD pedal." that he switched <laughs> it, it, last last eight years of his life. He's playing the LCD pedal. I brought it to, I, I brought it to rehearsal. I said, man, you got to check this out. And he, and he goes, are you, go, you going to use this? I said, yeah, <laughs> but I can get you one. I can get you one. So we got him one. We got him one. And he, he, he never looked back. Yeah. But, but uh, you know, he was funny. I used to fix it. He, he was OCD pedals, OCD pedals. With, and, and the rat pedals would go bad. And I say, man, and he'd give them to me. I said, man, these things just need to be fixed. You know, there's nothing wrong with them. So I would change the pot or change the switch and give it back to him and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. yeah. Pretty funny. Yeah, he was a, he was a great player. I, I know I saw uh, – I've seen videos uh, of you playing with him. 
I saw mm-hmm. the guitars and saxes thing in Chicago once. I can't remember. I hate to say I can't remember if you were there. That's bad. Forgive me for that. Kind of the main thing he was doing. <laughs> I was after a while he wasn't playing any solo shows, but when I first yeah. saw him, he was doing a lot of solo shows behind that. But that's sort of, I wasn't doing them after that. I was I was knee deep in I think with either Wayman or Dave Cause. Yeah. And then um, that whole thing, and, and and the beautiful thing that's been about the Dave Cos thing is, you know, he he always had guests. You know, what I mean, I, I got to in 2017, I got to play with with Larry Graham, which was, you know, God, you know, there's there's a lot of love between us, me and that man, and you know, just a lot of connection, you know, in terms of because I I knew those guitar parts verbatim. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I'm not trying I'm not trying to rewrite the book when I play with those guys. You know what I mean? Because they miss it. They miss having those elements of what made those records great. So, so when I went in, you know, I, I couldn't wait to play "Thank You" with him and play it in a way that I knew that it's supposed to be, or, or, or you know, different things like that. And we at rehearsals, we would play like "All the Fun" and "Life" and all those songs, you know, from the from the uh, greatest hits, Sly Stone records and stuff like that. It was it was a lot of fun, you know. Yeah. And then, and then, just the connection to Sanborn was a big deal for me. You know, I mean, we played. Was I was we played on a show of night music, and mm-hmm. that was the first time I met him back in the eighties. You know, and uh, and uh, the day that we came in, I was looking forward to hanging out with Hiram Bullock, and Hiram had checked himself into some place and, and was getting himself together, and then the guy he brought in was Robin Ford. Yeah, and which was like. And fantastic, you yeah. know, it was great. You know, I was like, oh my God, Robin Ford, here he is. You know, we ended up having the same management, he and I. The Bone Shakers and, and a, it was uh, Dow Booth, we had the same managers for a long time, you know. Yeah. And and then he, he was another guy you just love watching and hanging out with. But what was funny to me is guys in the band, you know, he doesn't ever watch anybody's playing. He's watching you. He's like, what do you mean? He's figuring you out. <laughs> Because, I mean, Robin Ford is, like, up there. For him to come out and watch me is pretty amazing. I thought it was great, you know. Yeah. So so what do you do right now to stay sharp, Randy? I mean, because I know right now, you know, uh, most of the musicians that I know that, that earn a living playing music, you know, or I hate to say aren't working so hard today, you know, unless they're recording or something. So, well, I've been, I've been lucky. People are, you know... Um, you know, record, you know, asking me to do things. I'm working on stuff. Just as you call it, I'm working on a little a guitar piece for, for this guy that, that wants to maybe do a movie or something. And he told me he wants it. I don't know. He wants it to sound like 80. So, but wanted it to be melodic, uh, you know, so it's kind of cool, you know, and, I, and, you know, and just, and just, I, I, I feel lucky like that, you know, people, I can record at home and, mm-hmm. and people, you know, you know, want me to do stuff. I, I, you know, you know, you know, back on time ago, you know, there, there, there wasn't that. You know, when I was first coming up, then all of a sudden there was Paul Sex and and Tiak, and you could do anything at home. But still, like now, you can do it and send it to them and send it back, and yeah, you can have a guy put drums on it. But the biggest thing is to just to keep, you know, to keep playing, just playing. And I've been lucky. I've been, you know, I did some, I did something with Rick Brown and. And uh, Richard Elliott, just this past weekend, we basically, they sent a track out. We did six songs. They sent a track out. 
to the drummer, to the bass player, myself, keyboard player. We play to the track, and we film ourselves while we're playing to the track, right? Mm -hmm. And then we send the video, and then the audio we record it to them, and then they put it all together, and then they, they show it on the show, and we're like playing. We're yeah. like playing together in a way, you know? It's, it's challenging because you, you tend to look at things tend to look at things down the uh, down the scope. You know, I mean, you look at it so hard. You, you know, the keyboard player saying, man, I wouldn't agonize over this stuff so much. Uh, can you hold on one second? Yeah. I'm sorry. Hold on one second. Sorry about that. It's just, it's just, there's a lot, there's a lot going on with the whole tweepy, uh, my singer passing away and there's that whole thing going on right yeah. now. So, yeah. but, uh, you know, uh, I, I lost myself. I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. Hey, let me ask you this. A uh, couple of last questions. One is yeah, who's influencing you right now? I mean, who are you listening to as a player? Wow, that's interesting. I, I, you know, you know, I, I, it's it's hard to say. I mean, I, I don't, I don't really have anyone like that. I, I listen to everybody. I listen to everybody that people like, I like uh, Eric Gale. But I like Eric when he was sixteen. You know what I mean? Yeah. I got to know him a little bit when he was in L.A. You know, when he had a time he was, you know, it probably in a in a bad way. You know when he was dealing with his, his demons, you know, and he'd come in and sit in with us, you know, and I have a friend who played guitar in that band. I won't name it, but we, and I never forget, Eric comes down and, and, and I say, Hey, Eric wants to sit in. And he says, we're going to do a uh, Rocky baby. And I'll take the last solo. And I said, well, you, you might want to solo earlier than that. You know, may, let, let Eric have the last. No, no, that's, that's my thing, man. I got to take the last solo. No, you might not want to. <laughs> no. And and, it was, and and so I soloed, Eric soloed, and he didn't solo. Yeah. After yeah. Eric soloed, he just didn't solo. I tried to tell him. I said, you might you might not want to go after this guy. <laughs> you yeah. know. But he, he I think he I think Eric's has evolved into even I never thought he could be better, right? Better. Because he mixes genres, he mixes he mixes the new school sort of guitar, uh, East uh, West Coast chord changes, Jubu, all that into his playing, along with the Hendrix thing, and 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 he mixes up everything really nicely, and and he's unafraid, he's unafraid to to stretch and to, and to do things, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know he, you know he, you know, and and I tell people all the time, you know, and you know I'll be I'll be working on something. And, I, and I'll, sometimes I'll literally play wrong notes to find good notes. And, I, and sometimes you have to be unafraid to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, I, you know. And if you listen to Hendrix, there is that in there. You know, there is that in there that the search, the search for good notes among the bad notes. You can play things. 
you can play things, you can try them and, 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 and be unafraid. And you can stumble onto a cool lick or a different vibe or, or something else just by playing. But if you're always just trying to play the right thing all the time, how many times have you been on the gig and, and you play something that was that, you, that was whack, but it led you to something else? Oh, you know, man. you know, you played it strong and wrong, and it was like, dang, that was great. I got to remember how to do that. I remember that I did that. That's 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 the beautiful part of playing guitar to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know that you could you could play something that totally is like not what you might think that's not cool or not linear or not you know, uh, in, in the scope of a scale, you know what I mean? And it's like, wow, I just discovered something very cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think sometimes, you know, people are, are unafraid or I shouldn't say unafraid. They're afraid to, to dive out of what's comfortable or what's normal for them, you know, and, uh, and take risk like that. Eric, Eric is a great player, you know, mm. but you're, you yeah. know, what, you, who do you like? Who do I like? Oh like, my God! I, I like, like all. I like all those. I like you. I like all those guys too. Uh, I don't know, man. You know, I've I've really been getting into like Ariel Posen and mm. Martin Miller. Oh yeah. You know Tom yeah. Quayle. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know those guys. I mean, they're yeah. Tom Quayle interested me when he came on. I talked him out on uh, on. Uh, he was demonstrating a pedal. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, wow, this guy. Can freaking play yeah, you know they're, great they're, tone yeah great tone beautiful beautiful notes you know i, I thought he's great you know i mean they're, yeah. they're they're way out of you know my scope of 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 playing you know what i mean i i can't touch that kind of stuff personally because i can't coordinate my right hand and my left hand to play you know some of the the structures or as fast or whatever in that you know, I grew up, I'm like you, I, I grew up, I didn't grow up on, you know, on funk and, and soul, but I, I grew up in Chicago and I cut my teeth on, you know, in all the blues clubs in the city. And I played with, you know, Lefty Diz and Buddy Guy and Junior Wells and all those guys myself. So, you know, that was, that was my thing. So uh, I, I, I've always, you know, and sometimes when you're in that thing, you, you, you go through your playing life almost with blinders on. It's like everything's in a box straight in front of you and you don't try to want, you don't ever expand out of that box and you, get, yeah. you either get really, really good in there, you know, and, uh, or you don't, but if you get really good and then it's hard to, to move outside of that sometimes. I actually, yeah. I put out a smooth jazz album in 2010 and I had, I had Ricky Waters play on it and Tim Cunningham Wow. Yeah, and and it turned it turned out good. I mean, for my first stab at it, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, but the point is, is that I've always been in a box guy, and so listening mm-hmm. to guys like that, you know, really expands me outside of my box. You know, it makes me makes me. It's like Robin Ford. I love Robin Ford. Yeah. Know, and Bonamassa and that. You know, they they make me think outside of the box. You know, or. or you don't have no other choice, you know, for a guy like me because I've always been a blues guy, and mm-hmm. and I hate to say, you know, you can sometimes become a one-trick pony, you know. Yeah, but you know, BB King used to say, you know, yeah, you know there's well. really there's one thing that you do really well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm still finding that thing, Randy. Style that's <laughs> that, that's that's connected to your heart. Yeah. Right, it's connected to your heart and your brain, and that is what is 
that is what you excel at. You know, I, I feel lucky. You know, I can say I played with Marty Stewart and the Staple Singers. I can I can I played with BB King, but at the same time I played, with, you know, you, you know with, yeah. with Dr. Dre or or you know it was not was or any. I I feel I feel fortunate. Yeah, I feel fortunate because that style, my style. I was gonna make a joke. My style was in that day. You know, I got to play with Bonnie Raitt. You know, I mean, you see all. You know, tears for fears. I got lucky in, in a lot of ways because my style fits whatever that particular thing. Mm-hmm. It won't say it fit everything, but it, it might seem that way. <laughs> but it, it's been it's been a great ride. You know, to play guitar and and that's been my my life and and what I do. Well, you know? you're a great player and. You're a good show. You're a great showman. You know, you you put on a good show. You know, you uh, you get the the crowd worked up. That whole jumping up in the air and splitting, <laughs> splitting and splitting and you know doing that kind of stuff is uh, is really cool. Do you practice that at home? No, it's always it was just <laughs> it's just you know. I since I was a kid, it was like my grandmother was was a closet performer. She was like she was like you know T Bone. Walker used to do the splits and right. all that. You know, I used to do splits when I was younger, man. But that's hard, man. That's hard on your on your existence. And you know, and so jumping <laughs> in the air doing a hurt or two, you know, leg over the guitar. That was that was something I could call my own. I had never seen anybody do it, so I just did it. I yeah. could still play that way, and it just just a lot of balance. But you know, it it just you know at the end of the day, it is entertainment. Yeah, you know, it is entertainment, and people, you know, that's another thing you guys have to realize. You know. You know, people talk about, you know, you always dress well for the gig and all that stuff. I, I have no desires to wear a tracksuit or, or you know, or, or look like I, I just came in from gardening when I go on stage. I, I'm from that old school. Michael Henderson, when I first played with Michael Henderson, I walked on stage in some in some Levi's and some earth shoes and a, and a collegiate sweater or something. And after the show, they piled me in the car. We were, I think we were in line. He took me down to... Uh, What's his name? A fabulous George or somebody like famous George or somebody, and and he made me a suit and pants and <laughs> and he said, take that other shit you got and burn it and don't ever wear that on stage with us ever again. Love you. So after that, I was always like Michael. I would go. Michael came out at Miles thing where they were dressed. You know, he took me. We we got leather pants, knee high boots, ruffled shirts. You know, we were. You know, we were in that time in the 70s you know what i mean yeah where we were we were we were dressing for success yeah you know you wanted to look like you you wanted to walk out and people would say you must be a you must be a star you must be a band you know so you had that look and i still sort of carry that with me you know what i mean and i think that's why you know but but you you want you want to be but but I have to say, you know, did, did my biggest advice to these guys is be open, yeah. be open and be be accepting of ideas from guys. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, there's always going to be a time when you feel you feel like your idea is better, but the boss is always right. And and if you can convey that idea and make it work, great. But if it doesn't, just don't push. Just just be. Just, just be water, as Bruce Lee says. Yeah, yeah. Be water. <laughs> you know what I mean? I do, I do, I do. So what is, uh, what's in the future, Randy? 
What's going to happen? Right now, well, now that the, the Mindy and the bone, that, that thing sort of ran its course, and and uh, Mindy's back, you know, being so a solo artist. Uh, you know, now <clears throat> I I because I was cutting some stuff at home just uh, as a writer's thing situation. It's more. It's more sort of rock, and I and I did a project like I did a, a whole a, a EP, and I'm sure I'm going to release it at some point. You know, I, I'll I'll send you a link. <clears throat> I'll send you a link and see what you think. Cool. And uh, that's just for you. And then uh, I got um, I, I have a project that I'm working on, another Bone Shakers project with uh, singer Larry Braggs, who's singing with uh, Tower of Power. And uh, so be looking out for Bone Shakers and Braggs. Okay. You know, when this whole thing blows over, we're working on a project right now. So those are the two things I'm I'm uh, delving into right now, you know. Well, it sounds great. Sounds yeah. great. Randy, I really appreciate it. I'm sorry I took so much of your time. Oh, no, no worries, man. I, I love talking to you, man. I, yeah. I wish I'd, I wish I'd gotten to uh, really talk to you when we were at the, at the winery and stuff, you know. Yeah. You know, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes they're hustling us out of there, you know. I can you tell know? you from, from the conversation – and for, you know, uh, the way you talked about gear and the things you have and things you've done, we could almost be brothers. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I like that. I like that, man. We, we probably you know, could. Hey, man, you know, hold on to you. You ever tell everybody, man, hold on to what's, what, what's in your heart. I tell guys, I meet guys all the time, all across. I used to play, only play at home. I say, man, don't ever stop playing. Yeah. Don't ever stop playing. You know, we, you never know. Yeah, you, and that was the that was the purpose of this this uh, podcast in the YouTube aspect, and that is, uh, you know what, I could go and I could, you know, I can get George Lynch and Steve Lugather to come on and talk about playing and stuff like that. But for me, you know what, I hate I hate to say guys like yourself, you know what I mean, are 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 kind of like the the backbone of of the industry in a lot of ways, you know what I mean? Guys that, I don't know, can do it all, have done it all, you know, can be anything to anybody and just really well-rounded, you know, you know, guys like that. And, uh, and so I'm trying to surround myself with, with people like that, you know? Uh, uh, so, um, you know, like, I, I, you know, you know, Mark Goldenberg. Of course I play, I just a couple of sessions with Mark because of our, you know, uh, you know, he was a guy that Don was would call. So we've done a couple of things together. Yeah. And I, I, he produced a track. Um, he produced an album for my, my dear friend, uh, Steve Bruton, who passed away, a great guitarist. And I got to record at his house with him. And he's an amazing. He, yeah. Mark Goldberg, man, those chord structures. Oh, my God. Yeah. When he plays. Yeah. I just, uh, he's, a, he's a guy, you know, I definitely, you know, after working with him, I was like in envy. You know, I mean, I just, you know, he had something I didn't have, you know, and it was nice to hear it, you know. Right. And then, and then you had Steve Bruton, who I wish was still alive, was was like, had him, had some, some Mark and had some of him, had some other stuff, you know. I love those guys. I love guys like that, you know what I mean? And, and Mark is right up there, you know, for me, you know. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just trying to bring guys like, like you and him, you know, on so that, you know, other people can you know, hear what it's like, you know, and what it takes to, to get from point A to point B and, you know, what gear you're using and all that kind of stuff because some people just don't have access to that, you know? Yeah, I think I think now, I think now, you know, it, it, it may be a little too easy just to, just to buy an app and press a preset. Yeah. But, 
But there was there's a joy in it, and I'm sure you relate to this. There was a joy in finding the right amp and the right guitar and the right whatever and dialing it and spending the, the, the spending days. My mother would tell you, mm-hmm. uh, I would be in the basement, ding, ding, dang, <laughs> ding, dang, you, 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 ding, ding, dang, 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 looking for that thing, right? Yeah. Looking for that thing, you know? And, and she she would tell you in a heartbeat that racket down there. She she was she says it now. If I ever thought that racket was going to turn into you making money, I'd have never believed it. You know, because <laughs> <laughs> that's you know, spend all day. You know, down there trying to find your first pedal that I had was a Maestro Fuck. You know, yeah. And I thought, wow, this is good. What if I had two? <laughs> and, then, right. and I had one, not knowing what I was doing, but I was setting one up for Crunchy. And one for lead tone. Yeah. And I had that going into a super reverb. You know, but I was trying to, I didn't know what I was doing, but that's how it starts, right? Right. That's how it, you know. Yep. And, and, and the beat goes on and it just keeps going on. Mm-hmm. But the only problem is, is that, you know, the amp goes from a $100 amp to a $4,000 amp. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Right? Did you ever, you ever think, you ever think, you know? I never thought I would say it. I spent, spent uh, three thousand dollars on a guitar, or four thousand dollars, or, or, or five, or five. You know, Dumble, Dumble worked on my amps, and he was constantly, constantly trying to get me to get one. I was like, oh, dude, wow. I said, dude, it is so. He would, he would show up at a session and have me give, let me play through some stuff and stuff. Like I love that about him. He, you know, he's very nice to me. When I moved to LA, and he, he would bring stuff, he had this little Fender amp that only has uh, a tone and a volume. It's like one of the first Fender amp, and I loved playing through that. He would bring it, I'd play through that on stuff, you know, and I love that, you know. And he, but I, I just in my mind, ten thousand dollars for an amp, you know, that's a car. Yeah, <laughs> that's two, that's two cars, maybe yeah. four if you buy it or, or use or use Brett, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I just could never justify it in my mind. And yeah, I envied uh, uh, Robin Ford, you know, when I see him, I was like, oh, my God, he's got one of those things. Jesus Christ, <laughs> you know. Right. Some guys got, uh-huh. I think Mayer's got three. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> it's it's crazy. I mean, I love that sound. I've got I've got a uh, two rock. and I've got, I love those amps. That's a great yeah. app. Yeah, and I've I got the Foosh Overdrive, too, which mm-hmm. is an mm-hmm. amazing uh, amp as well, but I'm I'm I love the Dumble sound. I've got all the clone pedals. I, I just absolutely love that sound. In that, in, there's a guitar instructor, and I live in a, in a town just south of the city of Chicago, and there's a guitar instructor in my town that actually has one. He used to be a Nashville Sessions guy a long time ago, and that, and he's got one. And people used to you know give him a hard time because you know he spent I mean. I don't know how much it was because he wouldn't ever divulge it, but you know, you know now those amps are you know sixty to a hundred grand, you know, for one of those. Oh, without amps. even trying. Yeah. Without even trying, man, especially the original one. Yeah, it's a crazy. friend of mine in Detroit. Uh, he moved to L.A. and he had one. I when I first heard about him, and I think I think that was a long time ago, I mean, in the eighties. I think he paid five for it, which was still unheard of. Yeah. Right. Which was unheard of. He yeah. spent what? Man, you can get your fender right down here for like four hundred and you know, <laughs> you know right. and, and and I just was like, you know, I mean, it's the same thing, you know, when you buy when guys are buying Sodanos, 
when we did the when we did the tour with Was Not Was with Mark Knopfler, he had a rack. I, I'm pretty sure I have a picture of it. He had Sedano. He had a Sedano in one and some other stuff. And I saw Clapton. He had a Sedano. You know, we were over there at that time, and I thought, wow, this is the amp, right? Mm-hmm. So I got a Sedano. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because these guys are playing them, you know, and and that's how it goes, you know. Yeah. But I I could never as much as as much as I love uh, Alexander Dump, I I I can't I couldn't do it. I just I could not do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? You got to even even guys like uh, Carlton and Borden, that you know, they have some of the clone pedals. Yeah. yeah, because yeah. they can't always have their dumbbells with them. I mean, every time that I've seen either one of them, they've always had it, you know. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, I know when they travel and that, sometimes they can't take them. And I know, uh, I think Larry Carlton ended up going with, he got a, a Blutatone. Are you? Fam- oh, well. I don't know if you're familiar with the Blutatone mm-hmm. and that, but it's probably the closest thing to a dumble, And it's really expensive. Oh, wow. I mean, it's probably... Uh, uh, seven to fifteen thousand dollar amp oh know? wow but you know that's probably mm-hmm. the you know the next you know wow next thing and my bud uses a uh verdix pedal the verdix pedal oh, yeah. The, yeah that he's like really likes it he says and he has one he had one he don't have it anymore he lost that in divorce but he lost his dumbbell amp in his divorce so he he uses uh <laughs> that, oh, man. He, he uses that pedal and a couple other things but yeah, the ultrafon they make the ultrafonics in the steel string. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Vertex yeah. does. Yeah, I, yeah. I, they're great pedals. They really are. I know yeah. a lot of people have a problem with the company because of I don't know, some some sort of issues with uh well, it, 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 it's he's a really nice guy. He donates that money to charity and he he just he just didn't understand how it worked in the beginning. You know, if you you know, guys basically like uh like guys, you know, George Trips and those guys they say well, this pedal is a copy of this pedal with some stuff, and he wasn't saying that. Yeah. He was just—he made a pedal for Landau, and and he didn't realize he had to say that. But he would have said it. He says it about everything now. Yeah. But he, at the time, he just didn't know the protocol. Yeah. And he was—he wasn't making those amps, those pedals to get rich. He was—he's donating his money to charity. And I, you know, I had a mutual friend who knew him, and he was telling me about it. And, I guess he's up here in the Bay Area somewhere because that's where I live now. I'm not in L.A. anymore, but and I, I, I and I talked to him a couple times. He's a really nice guy. He just, I just don't think that, that I think that people just don't want to forget that stuff. Or they stumbled across it on the internet. As yeah. we know, stuff stays on the internet forever. Yeah. So something you did very badly and apologized for, you might have to keep on apologizing for. Unfortunately. Yeah. Well, they're great pedals. I have I have both of those and they're great pedals. I have them on a board, so <laughs> I use them. I use them. How many boards do you have? A five. <laughs> I have let's see, four. Yeah. I have four. I have four, not including not including the board I have for my little uh, cigar box. I have a little board for that. Uh, <laughs> see, I probably I don't know. I probably got around 120, 130 pedals, maybe. Well, I man. I got rid of a bunch of stuff when I, I moved up here. I sold, I sold a bunch of stuff, and 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 it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. But I had it just it's just coming to a point. I'm 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 not a kid anymore, and I and I just think I just think, you know, I need to let rid some. I have some racks. I need to break the stuff down, and and you know, I have some old prescription pedals, Cobb pedal, you yeah. know, 
you know, all kinds of stuff, you know, and I think, I think I need to, I need to break this stuff down and let it go. But every time I go to do it, I just can't do it. Yeah. Like I'm killing a friend. (laughs) (laughs) When you're in the studio, are, are you using your analog gear or have you switched over and using something like maybe a fractal or a Kemper or using any I had a, plugins or? I had a fractal and I sold it. I sold it when I moved because I, I, I use it a lot. And then I just kept going back to apps, you know, yeah. just kept going back from the convenience of it is great. The Kemper, the Kemper I played through a couple of times and I thought I could, I could do this, but I just use I just use the Fender Deluxe and plug my pedals and be done. Yeah, you know, you know, and that's the way it always comes down to. You know, it, it, I I get everything I want from that, and and I still love the challenge of the, everywhere you go and pick and somebody brings you an amp when you're renting is a challenge in it. Yeah. And I sort of like that challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, I like the challenge that at the end of the night, no matter what this amp, even if it's like the biggest crock of shit ever, I'm gonna have to pull it out. And be me, right? Yeah. And there's a challenge in that, and there's a challenge that when you when you when you overcome all the things, all the things that can go wrong, you really you really have reached a, a, some sort of a plateau or a thing, a challenge that you overcome, because it really does for all of us, for you, for me, it, it comes from us. Mm. We get to that point, it comes from us, even when it's the worst equipment, the worst sound system, the worst day. It comes from us, and we we have to we have to overcome all our limitations. You know, you know, guitar the guitar pod is is there's something there's something in the app you can't find it. Every once in a while, the capacitor's going bad, the resistor's done, the tubes aren't the tubes are over compressing. There's all that, but at the end of the day, if that's all you got, you got to still be you. Yep. All right. Yeah. Wow. Well, all good advice. Good stuff there, Randy. My God. Hey, thank you, bro. Thank you so much for calling me, man. I, yeah. You know, um, yeah, I hope to see you. Um, we, we, if we ever get to go out on the road again, I, I definitely be looking you up. Yeah, that uh, you know, I, I'll definitely come see you guys again. As a matter of fact, uh, I've actually done, I've done a couple of your songs, a couple of Bone Shaker tunes in the past myself. Which one? Which one did you do? Uh, da 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 da. <clears throat> the heck's the name of that song oh crap i've done two of them randy and i can't remember mm-hmm. the names off the top of my head yeah it's all right i've done two of them, you got that. yeah man uh cold sweat cold sweat yep. yeah my range yep. my arrangement of cold sweat part-time yeah. man part-time man a lot of guys do no cold sweat that's from the first that's from the first record those two are from the first record and uh long way down yep, that's, it. that's the other one yeah. Cold sweat and long way down. Those are the two we did. Yeah. A lot of people like those. They sort of, you know, they just play those funny little uh, six, nine chords in the bam, 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 bam. You know, it's, <laughs> it was my way of just trying to do something that was out of the out of the blues vernacular a little bit, some of that stuff. And, it, was and, really, uh, it was really weird because I, I recorded an EP before the end of the year and mm-hmm. was going to release it this year. And I used uh, Michael Leisure and uh johnny grapark from walter trout's band mm. in that yeah they played on it and i was actually going to do uh cold sweat mm-hmm. in that because i did all 
you know, I didn't do anything on my own. It was between uh, it was between Cold Sweat and Next to uh, Me by uh, Tab Lenoir. You know? Oh wow! And unfortunately, I ended up going with the the Tab song, but uh, well, that's a guy I really like too. Oh, he is so good. Yeah. He is so good, man. I used to yeah. see him at the Cafe Boogaloo. Uh, I used to go. We used to play up there. So oh, in Hermosa. Whenever I see him on the bill, I would go down to the Cafe Boogaloo in Hermosa Beach and yeah. watch him play. And he's a fantastic drummer. Yeah. Yeah, I've actually played it at Cafe Boogaloo several times before it closed. Oh wow, I love that place, man. Yeah. Steve, when Steve ran it, it was, yep. it was the best. It was the best. When he left it, it just turned into something else. Yeah, it was us. Nice. All of us down there, us Cafe R and B and and uh, the Imperial Crowns. Man, we all played yeah. in that. It was a great place to play. Bone Shakers was one of the first clubs we played in. The guy at the record company says, "We want you to play." Uh, do a little thing. We're gonna have all the international uh, distributors come in, and we're gonna have dinner there. And everything. and I had this thing about playing anywhere where people eat. I'm like playing anywhere where nobody eats. I don't want to play. You yeah. know, <laughs> I want to be smacking on chicken while I'm playing guitar. You know. Yeah. And and we went down there, and Steve was so cool, the owner, and the vibe of the place was great. The food was great. I say, okay, yeah. I changed my mind. Yeah. And then. And uh, we used to say all the time, uh, you know, uh, every once in a while you get somebody come up and say, hey, can you guys play Mustang, Sally? And so we, we say, we, we, Steve and us came up with a sign that says, no Mustang, Sally, with the circle and yeah. a big cross. And we'd have it up every time we would play, no Mustang, Sally. <laughs> Great <laughs> yeah, times. He, yeah, he was a, a Pittsburgh Steeler fan. I remember when, because when the, mm. the first time he booked me, we were talking about the Steelers, and so I made sure that I brought him a jersey when I went oh, out there my man. first time because I wanted to make sure I got booked again, you know. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> I man. Really, I love playing there. It was one of my favorite places to play, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was here, I'm was i here from Chicago, and, oh, yeah. and this is this is cool, but I always, I always enjoyed playing on the West Coast, you know, Biscuits and Blues and the Arcadia uh-huh. and – you, you do Moe's? Huh? Do Moe's Alley? Do Moe's Alley up in Santa Cruz, too? Moe's Alley, yep. Yep. Yeah. I talked to Bill. You talked to Bill just recently. You know, like, those are relationships, you know, in the clubs. I tell people all the time, you know, you let the club scene die, it, it, it's tougher for newer players. Those things are what what help to get you yeah. to the next place, you know? Yeah. You know, Bill, Bill, I remember playing and Steve and Bill and those guys. Say, Where's your pick at? I said, what, what are you talking about? He said, where's your pick? <laughs> you don't play with no pick. I said, no, I've never played with a pick. I don't know how. And they laughed. You know, they used to laugh at me, you know. Stuff, you know. I love those guys, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, well, hopefully all that will come back soon, you know. I, know, I, I know uh I was talking to Johnny A, you know, who played guitar with Jake Isles. And I, have a, I have a Johnny A. Yeah. I have a, I have a Johnny A Gibson. Oh, do you really? <laughs> Yeah, wow, I have one. Yeah, he'd probably be. If you go to my Instagram page, there's a picture of it on, on the, in my Instagram. On Mick Funky, G I T Mick Funky, and that's my Instagram page. There's a picture of it on there. There's a picture of it on there. A lot of my, I put up pictures of my stuff every now and then. You know, yeah, on my Instagram. But he an, he announced uh, just just today that uh, they're doing some driving concerts where he is. You know, oh wow, out on the East Coast in that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
and stuff. So, you know, because, you know, like everybody else, you know, he's trying to figure out what he's doing. He's doing a Facebook show every day, you know, to keep people engaged, which is cool. Mm -hmm. But, but hopefully that'll all come back, you know, real soon. And you guys can all get back to work and in a big way and stuff. I know I love to go to shows. I go to a lot of them. You know, I love live music. I don't play as much as I used to. You know, I mm-hmm. stopped. But uh, you got to you got to cut that out, man. Got to play. Yeah. Well, no, I I play, but I, I mean I don't play in a band. You know, I, don't, I know what you mean. I don't yeah. get out yeah. and stuff. I mean, I've recorded in 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 that you know in the last year or stuff. But uh, but no, my, the intention was is to record and release you know the project because it was my ninth. My, it would have been my ninth release and release mm-hmm. it in, you know, and then do some shows. But, you know, with the, with everything that happened, just, just like, ah, you know, I think I'll just do this. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'll just right. call, like pe- call people like it, that are doing it. it. Let's just talk to people that are doing it. <laughs> yeah. I feel fortunate, you know, just, just to, yeah, even even in this climate, that, that, that there has been some work, you know. Like I said, it's all good for you, internet based, but it has been some, you know. I'd, I'd rather be out playing, you know. That was, you know, that's always the thing. People say, well, you know, you always, you always feel like you want to play. I say, yes, indeed, I do. Yeah, yeah. Well, Randy, I really appreciate the time and that, and uh, you know, anytime. Yeah, and when this new seed, this project comes out, let me know. You know, I will. I'd love to you know. help you promote it in any way I possibly could. Oh, yeah, man. I'll send you a little sneak preview link later. Yeah, that'd be great. All right, my brother. All right, Randy. You have a great day, buddy. You too. Take care. Uh, so. All right, everybody. That was Randy Jacobs from the Bone Shakers. Once again, you know, go to randyjacobs.com. You want to get familiar with this guy. If you don't own any of the Bone Shaker stuff, you know, you really should get it. It's some great music, great playing. I want to thank Randy for participating in Guitar Talk, and we sure look forward to his uh, release, his next release that he's working on. Make sure you're tuning in next Wednesday when my guest is going to be Chris Standring, uh, the jazz guitarist. This guy, I tell you what, uh, wow. He is, he's a brilliant musician, you know, extremely, extremely educated in uh, classical and jazz guitar. Um, I was, it was an honor. It was a real pleasure to be able to to chat with him in that from his uh, studio in Los Angeles. Um, So make sure you're tuning in next week where my guest on Guitar Talk is Chris Standring. Uh, right here on Guitar Tech. Uh, make sure you're following us on all of our platforms, on Spotify, Apple, Google, YouTube, all that good stuff. All right. Thank you so much. Have an amazing week. <laughs>